this week on the Koshcast. They don't call him Slabhead for nothing, as United and VAR leave Lampard struggling, and a good weekend for Spurs and Arsenal as Son and Pepe keep North London bubbling. Elsewhere, there's chaos in Spain as Barcelona choose not to brave the wait for Dembele, but instead sign Braithwaite from Leganes, and in Italy, not even Ashley Young can save Inter from Lazio. All in a pod's work. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex and Bernie Uche is here. Hello, my friend. How are you? I am very well, thank you. I've spent a weekend at a cottage, which for anyone uh, not in Canada just means a house in the middle of nowhere that people go to enjoy themselves. To me, it's still unclear why a little bit, but it was a very nice house. To, to be fair, cottage is not exclusively Canadian. It's it's also English, I guess. But I think the difference between the English and British and like Canadian cottages is Canadian cottages are literally in the forest. And like <laughs> yeah. in the Brit in England, at least the cottages you see on TV are like like the countryside. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you are also joining from an, an exotic location today, aren't you? Uh, I'm joining from Las Vegas. Fancy. Yeah. What, what are you up to there? Uh, I'm here to have a good time. I'm, I'm, here, I'm here for work. And <laughs> Who isn't? I, like half work and half a good time. But uh, we'll, we'll see if I even have time for all the shenanigans of Las Vegas. Okay. Uh, you did say that there are drinks, though, available. Uh, yes, there are drinks available. It's like free drinks available at most times of day. <laughs> strange. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm surprised my my right mind currently. If Bernie is more entertaining than usual, which is would obviously be hard to be hard to believe. I think technology uh, conferences or get-togethers are mostly like this. <laughs> <laughs> you just get drunk and and chat. Pretty much. Sounds alright. Um, okay, we will start today with your team, uh, not IBM in this case, but Manchester United, uh, with a resounding sort of two-nil victory over Chelsea, but there were so many talking points. Um, how did this feel? Assuming you were able to watch it despite being at a conference, how did this uh, pan out for you? I, I did uh, manage to watch it. I won't say how uh, <laughs> <laughs> to avoid scrutiny, um, but I did watch it. Um, I should say before we start, shout out to uh, Dennis from, uh, I think, Couch Critic. Yes. Um, uh, I jumped on... Um, that's not a podcast, but we did, we did a video together today uh, going over um, this game, uh, more from a tactical standpoint. And there actually was an interesting sort of tactical debate to be had about this game um, compared to other games. Um, In what respect? I, I, I have only seen the highlights of this game. So let, what happened tactically? How did the sides line up, etc.? So United lined up in a 3-5-2. Uh, or 5-3-2, depending on who you ask. <laughs> and uh, Chelsea, if I'm not mistaken, did a bit more of a 4-3-3 or, or it might have been a 4-2-3-1. Uh, okay. I, I can't remember now. But the, the, the idea was Chelsea uh, were going to have most of the ball. And this is a typical social tactic this season. And United uh, press high, counter, move the ball wide, and try and shift into the middle. Um, and both teams did not execute their game plan <laughs> successfully for large parts of the game. Um, but it was a game that was 
one in the boxes. And, and Dennis and I agreed that basically what happened is United dominated both boxes. Um, headers in, in both boxes, United won most of them. Um, and that was the difference in this game. Well, and, and two-headed goals as well, which I, probably used to be quite common, but I don't remember the last time I saw it. Um, but how was uh, your exciting new signing, Bruno Fernandes? This is his second game, no? It was the second game. I thought, and, and it could be because I had one eye somewhere else and one eye on the game, but in the mm. first half, it was a little bit not really there, I thought. Um, there were lots of good touches, but there's no one to, to, to move the ball onto. Um, one thing you notice is when the ball is, when he has the ball in midfield, he looks up, there aren't options. Martial is dominated by two people. James is doing something that I don't really know. So <laughs> it was, it's hard for him to do that. But however, in the second half, he was really getting things ticking along, especially on set pieces. Uh, set piece delivery is not something that we've associated with Manchester United in recent times. And he was absolutely spectacular on those. Best since uh, Dennis Irwin. Uh, wow, you're you're just gonna ignore Beckham there, okay? Uh, it was a trick question. I was hoping I could catch you out. But no. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Never mind. Um, I'm reading that uh, Eric Bailly was man of the match. Uh, what's gone wrong? <laughs> what's happened there? What glitch in the matrix has caused? So remember how I said both boxes? Yeah. Eric Bailly was absolutely amazing and <laughs> and the thing with Bailly is you know he has this in him but he then he'll just get injured or do something really weird yeah he's he's just like he's 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 chaos personified and you kind of love it like it's just this weird chaotic thing that you love at oh, one you... point he does a pirouette in his own box and beats two men in his own box oh, like, what are you doing <laughs> Oh man, the Yaya Sanogo of defenders. <laughs> oh, he's he's magic. Like and he made two incredible last ditch tackles. Like, you thought it could, they could be penalties if you guess this wrong, <laughs> but he got them right. He was unbelievable. If not for Bruno Fernandez, I give it to to Bahia's man of the match. He was fair enough. Um. So let's talk about the first goal quickly. Uh, Wan Bissaka getting a, a rare assist to uh, silence the haters, etc. Uh, it's a bit. I, I'm going to channel my Mohanad for a second and say it was a bit of a blind cross, uh, but he put it in an area and Martial did wonderfully well with the header. Um, I won't say it's a blind cross because it's the second one he's done like that this season. But yeah. that doesn't mean it wasn't blind. It means he's done two of them. Exactly. That's all you need <laughs> from a right back. Okay. <laughs> um, and then. Kurt Zuma made it 1-1. Um, wait, well, no, no, no. That was after the Maguire thing. So let's tackle the Maguire thing. Um, so Batshuayi, like gives him a nudge and he falls over and he kicks out a leg. And I wouldn't care if this was a red card, really, except that Son got one for like exactly the same thing a few weeks ago. So what I said to Dennis on, on the podcast was, to me, this is a red card. It's one of those things where... like. Maguire explained what was going through his brain at the time, which was he was, I thought he was going to fall on me, so I just put my legs up to protect myself. <laughs> the thing is, I believe that was his intention, but intention doesn't mean anything. Like, sorry, if, sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought he was going to fall on me, so I put my studs up so that he could fall on them. I mean, I can, I can see it. I can see <laughs> it. In a real game, Russia blood to the head type of situation, I can honestly see it. 
But what I'm saying is that doesn't matter because when VAR or the referee look at the incident, intention means absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. It's what does it look like and does the action endanger another person? His studs are up. It does look like he's taking a kick out. And of course, if he is doing that, endanger someone else. So though I understand it when he's explaining it, it means nothing because it is a red card offense by the letter of the law. I'm, I was actually very surprised that VAR <laughs> like, let that one go. I, I didn't get it. But Yeah, uh, not the only surprising VAR decision. The next one was to rule out Kurt Zuma's beautifully volleyed equalizer. I'm not quite sure where that volley came from. Um, it wasn't beautiful. It came off his wrong foot. <laughs> he, he went with his main foot and hit his standing foot and went in. Never mind. <laughs> For Kurt Zimmer, it was a beautiful volley. Um, he'll never replicate it if he tries. Uh, but um, who was it that got shoved over? Brandon Williams. Yeah. Um, Baez Piliqueta, who was shoved by Fred. Uh, it, it was a little, you know, um, human centipede of shoving. And they just decided to cut it off at the Piliqueta bit. Uh, so I, I'll do the same. I, I didn't see the Fred one. I have to look at it again. Are you vengering me on this? I, a little bit. I, and funny enough, with Dennis, I did the Venger voice. On, uh, on. I was going to say, at least do the accent. I, I yeah. did not see it. Thank you. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I did see Aspilicueta, so I can't speak to Fred. But I saw Aspilicueta, and it's a foul. End of the day, <laughs> it's, a, it's a foul. Third <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. Like, Amazing. I, honestly, again, you can tell me. Did Fred push him? Was it coming together? I don't know. Like Fred pushed him. All right. If Fred pushed him, he pushed him. But, I mean, here's the thing. Fred pushes Aspilicueta less hard than Aspilicueta pushes Williams. But, like, that really doesn't matter. Again, I can't tell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's very. That's extremely convenient. All right, we'll we'll move on then. So now it's it's one 0 United uh, have not conceded a goal and they've not they've not had a man sent off. And then Maguire scores an excellent header from an excellent Bruno Fernandez corner. And this brings me on to my next talking point, which has nothing to do with VAR. It has everything to do with the co-commentator, <laughs> who says, and I quote. They don't call him Slabhead for nothing. <laughs> that was the quote. Oh, it, like, firstly, I didn't know that commentators actually <laughs> use the phrase Slabhead. But yes, yes. And you know what? I need more of the type of commentary in my life. I need, I need that type of banter commentary. Uh, I mean, for me, that goes right up there with Manolas, the Greek god from the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Solskjaer has won it. To go and Solskjaer has won it. They don't call him Slabhead for nothing. No, that was that was brilliant. And you know what? They don't call him Slabhead for nothing. If you give him a good delivery, which Bruno Fernandez has finally brought to this club, oh my days! There was another one right after that <laughs> that mm -hmm. almost led to a goal, and Bruno hit the post with a free kick. My God, it feels like 2003 all over again. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Ashley Young, thank God you're away. And whenever Rashford shows up again, he will never take a free kick again. My no. life is made. I'm so happy. I'm so Congratulations. happy. Congratulations. Um, we'll get to Ashley Young a bit later. Uh, just, to, just to finish on this game, um, Chelsea, uh, you know, already having a bad day. Giroud comes on, finally makes an appearance for Frank Lampard, um, immediately scores a brilliant and very, like, peak uh, Giroud goal near post diving header beautiful ruled out 
Now, in this case, VAR did its job, but it was just a really stupid offside rule coming into play again. Yeah, they brought out the lines again. And, I mean, luckily for me, this time it wasn't as bad as, you know, Sauna against Leicester or whatever, or one of those ones where, like, you're literally like, what, what part of him is offside again? Like, he was offside, so fair enough. Um, but you know what bothered me about this is Lampard has, this is the third time Solskjaer has beaten Lampard, and Lampard has no idea what he's doing against this team. You know what they're going to do. I just don't understand why he didn't react and didn't change something. And I don't understand why he played Batshuayi over Giroud. Giroud's a better striker than Batshuayi. We know this. Batshuayi is not bad, but Giroud is better than this man. And it showed, absolutely clearly showed. And he needs to stop being an asshole to Giroud and play (laughs) this man if he wants to retain. If he wants to make sure this top four race doesn't become a significant race, Giroud can actually help him out here. Yeah. Agreed. I, I also, I'm very confused. So we'll, we'll, let's get on to Chelsea a little bit. Um, and so I'm going to ask you what, what Dennis's take on, on Chelsea was. But there are a few things for, just from the lineup that, that confused me. A is the Bachelet over Giroud thing. I guess Lampard liked a more mobile striker. But when you have guys like William and Pedro who like to combine, it makes sense to have a focal point. And then Christensen came on, got injured and had to go off. He was replaced by Zuma. But then you've got Marcus Alonso on the bench and Azpilicueta are left back. And I'm just thinking, like, why can't Azpilicueta play centre-back? He's better than most of your other centre-backs. And why can't Marcus Alonso, who's a proper left-back, play there? So I don't, I don't really understand what's going on there. They're, so Dennis was very upset with... I mean, he's very upset with Chelsea in the sense of they don't know how to defend, period. Mm. <laughs> and, and that's a cause for concern. And I would go for more solidity than what they, they did. Now, uh, what's his face? Christensen got hit in the face by Martial. And then, I mean, it's no surprise that he didn't defend Martial's header properly because he he didn't know where he was, most likely. Uh, And replacing him with uh, Zuma is just chaos. But Rudiger showed Alex our Rudiger agenda is back like uh, you're defending mate, it's never Maguire. gone away like, he just got injured but like, the agenda has been there all the whole <laughs> like he's defending Maguire and he lets slow Maguire just absolutely race past him for the header I I was confused mate <laughs> I was I don't know like Lampard clearly has no idea no idea how to organize a defense and he's yeah. got to figure that out because he got beat 6-0 on aggregate by Oligona Solskjaer. Like, it's not good. Actually, 8-1 o- over three games. Like, come on, mate. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't live this way. I'm sorry. It's, you really can't. I, usually when you, know, you get some like, proper football man being like, oh, I need to hire like, a defensive coach. But like, it couldn't hurt. It really, really couldn't <laughs> hurt at this point. Um, no, he really needs it. Last thing on this, just to take it back to United just for a second. And I'm doing this only to indulge you. Uh, talk to me about Odio Nogalo. Uh, Igalo came on, had a great chance um, to score on his debut, uh, hit it straight. It was one-on-one, hit it straight at, uh, what's his name, Caballero. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that five-minute cameo, as, as well as Martial did to score the goal, Martial did drift to the left a lot. It showed what difference a focal point can make when you get players that can play one-twos with that player. And I thought, Man, if we, if just his presence alone could be the difference in this season. So props to him for at least showing that. 
imagine I'm giving him props for missing a, ch- a chance. Like this is <laughs> this is where it's come to. But uh, it was amazing to see him play. We were be- on my group chat uh, and I, during my United group chat, we were begging for them to get like we're begging, and then we got it. So we're happy. Excellent national day of celebration. Uh, pretty much three days off. Perfect. Um, okay, let's go back a day to Sunday, February 16th. A couple of big games for the North London clubs. We'll start with Arsenal for Newcastle United nil. A very good day at the office for Arsenal, which is not something we've been able to say. In fact, we've only been able to say it six times previously this season. This is, I believe, our seventh win. Um, finally played some good football. Um, Ozil scored, I mean, almost by accident, but, you know, it happened. Uh, Lacazette scored actually by accident. He fluked one in. It was, a, it was a very good day all around. It must have been weird. Like, because, it was a bit. like, I think it was nil-nil at halftime. Was, mm-hmm. And then the floodgates opened. But it, it feels to me and it, that the goals were pretty much the same in the sense of they came from the right-hand side. header came from wide. Thing. Yeah. Ozil's goal came from the same side. Oh, Pepe's goal came from the other side. Beautiful nutmeg from Saka. Oh, lovely stuff. Uh, he's, he's, you know what Saka's doing? He's pulling uh, an Alfonso Davies. Mm-hmm. In that he's not uh, a fullback, but he's resilient enough, aggressive enough, and attacking enough to get in good position so he could be useful. I have found that pretty cool. And well, as Juan has said, you know, both... both Sakas in one Bissaka and then the second Bissaka in Saka <laughs> did well this weekend. <laughs> well, I, I was, yes, absolutely true. Um, I was also delighted to see Lacazette come on the pitch later on um, for no other reason than to get the Laka, Zaka, sorry, Laka, Saka, Xhaka uh, combination on the pitch. Wait, is it? Was. It's Laka, Xhaka, Saka. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I think oh, there yeah. was one more. Mm. I guess not. No. If we had like a, a muck something, we could have a maca. But yeah, no. Uh, should really just try and get as many as you can. Forget squad building. Just, just like try and get as many akas as possible. Oh, we should get Nathan Ake. It'd be brilliant. Oh, Aka. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, let's talk about Nicolas Pepe because um, he is he is someone that we both enjoy. Uh, back on the score sheet. And an assist. Uh, Artes has been talking about how he needs to find consistency in his performances. And though second half Newcastle really did just collapse, he was a constant menace. And it was good to see him looking threatening. It, it, it's good to see him looking threatening because, you know, I have a lot of writing on that guy. Because yeah. I was very public about uh, how he'd be a good signing. I think he still can. I'm not, you know, he's still not effective over the course of 90 minutes. Um, but I feel like, you know, some players do take time and he might be one of those guys. So, uh, four goals, five assists, not bad, not bad, mm-hmm. not bad at all. He's getting there. He's getting there. He's it, wrapping it, up. It, it's getting there. He needs one more to pass Daniel James total goal, you know, and goal contributions, but he'll, he'll probably get there. I, I w- <laughs> In Daniel James' defense, 15 million. Got <laughs> okay. a club record signing with 72. Um, in installments, so it's probably 20 over every. Yeah, he's one installment. He's the one installment. Daniel James is one installment of Nicholas Pepe. Um, Ozil, uh, you know, Mohamed would kill us if we didn't comment on it. He had a good game. Um, 
I'm not going to say back to his best, but like he, he was an influence, which is really all you can ask for. Um, penetrative passing. I thought actually that, so Danny Ceballos, uh, who has been an odd story at Arsenal, he, you know, started the season very well, had a couple of very good games and then got injured and completely dropped off the face of the planet. Arteta came in. Um, he said recently that Ceballos wasn't training well enough. His attitude wasn't good enough, uh, but he has since improved, started this game. Uh, coincidentally, um, there are reports that Guendouzi hasn't been training well and his attitude has been bad lately. So, you know, one in, one out. Um, but his passing from deep actually allowed Ozil more space because he, he would find him, you know, I'm not going to draw too many comparisons to Cazorla because Cazorla was 15 levels above Ceballos. But the ability to just fire it through the midfield into Ozil in the gaps that he picks up made a massive difference. I, th- I, think, I think that's very important. I think it's extremely important because you, the less work you make Ozil do, the better it is and the mm-hmm. higher up you get him so that he can play the simple passes to other people, uh, the better he's going to be, especially as he's 30. Now he doesn't cover the same amount of ground. I mean, people will say he covers ground, but a lot of that is jogging and mo- in, 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 in dynamic movements across the pitch, which is fine, but he's not going to carry the ball. I remember Ozil in the world cup was it against England literally carried the ball from his half to the other half beat two men or something like that. That's not going to happen anymore. Right. But if you play to his strengths, you still got someone, useful in there um for another year or two right and i think what's going to be important for arteta actually difficult part of this job may not be the tactical side difficult part of it is is can you get guendouzi on side you're not going to sign ceballos i highly doubt that so you're going to need some midfield reinforcements Mm -hmm. is jaka going to be there long term is torreira's head in it long long term i know right now but long term does he really want to be there Mm -hmm. what do you do with ozil Aubameyang's contract there is a lot to actually try and figure out, including fixing that defense, because you don't want David Luiz next season. That's where you're going to get the measure of the man and whether or not Kroenke and co. are going to give him the money, like $72 million on Pepe type of money, remains to be seen. That's where it's going to get very, very interesting. But, it really, it really yeah. will. And, and we get to see the, the influence of your favorite man, Edu, <laughs> to see if he can actually pull anything off. But it, it will be interesting, you're right, because... You know, you think about all the squad building that has to be done. Um, you want to fix the defense, but there are a lot of center backs at the club. They've tried, you know, you've got the new guy, uh, Mari, you've got Mustafi, you've got Socrates, you've got um, Holding Chambers when he comes back. For it. There are a lot of center backs, and most of them are rubbish and hard to move. Like they've been trying to sell Mustafi for two years. No one wants him, understandably. Um, so it will be interesting if he gets the money to do it. Who are his transfer targets? Like, are his transfer targets the guys that the city recruitment people have been telling him about for the last couple of years? Does he have his own ideas? Like, who's how much say exactly will he have? It is all very interesting. Um, and just uh, just to return slightly to your Saka point, um, I'm just reading he's assisted eight goals in all competitions this season for Arsenal, more than any teammate in 2019-20. So, really... And I would assume nearly all of those from left back. So to your point about Alfonso Davis, like when is someone a left back? How long does it take? How well do they have to play in the position that you're playing them until you can actually just say, yeah, that's the best spot for you? Well, Alfonso Davies is now a left back. I think, I think we're sure of that now. And it's probably the number of games. With, with Saka, I don't even know who your starting left back is supposed to be. Is it class? Oh, Tierney. When Tierney or Kolasinac and they're both dead. Yeah, so if Tierney's fit, let's see what happens when Tierney's fit. If 
if Saka starts over Tierney, he's at left back. I think I think that, that that's how this this works at that point. I think I think that's fair. All right, let's move on. Um, the other game of the day, Aston Villa two, Tottenham three. This game was absolutely bonkers. Um, Mourinho is doing a very weird job, I suppose. They have since he took over the second most points in the league after Liverpool, but it's never convincing. It's nonsense. Like it's. Is absolutely nonsense. And by the way, I'm I'm still very upset with the with this. You know, I think the worst pundits in football are English. Like I, I really believe this. He he showed up, and they were like, "Oh my God, he's transforming this team, and they're doing so well." And then they did rubbish. <laughs> like, and even mm-hmm. when they were doing well, I don't remember one game that we can boldly say, front like first half, second half, Spurs played well. No. I don't know one. And no one should tell me the Man City 2-0 game because they were horrendous for most of that game. <laughs> so he's not changing anything. And maybe, well, maybe that's not his fault because he hasn't had enough time, you know, full preseason, all that jazz, whatever. But this love affair with him just pisses me off and needs to go away. Because this game was similar. They went down 1-0, scrapped their way back, Yep. And yes, I, I give them the resilience, you know, so I miss a penalty, follow it up. That's resilience to win it in the 94th minute. Literally, that's kick of the game. Resilience. However, Aston Villa are defensively shambolic and will give you the opportunities. But if they were better defensively, they could have beaten Spurs. I honestly feel that. Yeah, I, and, and they, they could have beaten Spurs. And they, they were a threat every time they went forward as well, Villa, um, Grealish especially, um, who is playing now with, with the aura of a very dangerous player. You know when a player just like makes a transition and other teams become scared of them and it makes them even better because they get a bit more time and space. I think he's crossed over into that territory. Um, but they, they were a threat every time they got the ball. And this was Spurs playing with Eric Dyer, who we all know is shit, but is at least a defensive midfielder. Usually Spurs don't play with one. So if you're conceding this many chances with your first choice defense and a, and a defensive midfielder in place, you know, God knows what they're going to do against Leipzig when Leipzig come at them and press them like absolute animals. Um, so yeah, weird, weird team. Um, the only thing I will say is uh, Bergwijn is class. Yeah. He he does some lovely stuff, and he looks. You know, you know, Spurs have you know Son and Mora who are kind of direct, uh, direct forwards more than they are wingers. But Bergwijn is uh, is a bit of a playmaker as well. That's a steal. That that is honestly a steal um, that they got him. He is short, stocky, speedy guy, and. I don't know, man. I think he can interchange positions left and right. They've really got a good player on their hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they can get him, Son, and Kane as as a trio with like Lacelso and Dombele and an actual proper defensive midfielder next season, then that that could be something to be reckoned with. But it's a weird squad, and like Arsenal, needs a lot of work. So we will see. Um, what else happened in the Premier League? Uh, Liverpool beat Norwich 1-0. Oh, yeah, just about. Yeah, they're doing that, that cliche thing. I don't know if you want to say it, because I don't. I'll leave it. But what a goal by Mane. <laughs> it, it was a good... He has great awareness of where the ball is. The ability to turn it and hit the ball like that, that was really, really uh, brilliant. It, it absolutely was. And as we've said before, those front three just take it in turns. 
to uh, come up with a piece of magic every week. I, I saw Klopp. There were some Juve fans on Twitter going a bit mental because Klopp said something about their squad depth and how, how deep their squad is. And they were responding saying, no, actually, like, we have three strikers for two positions. Um, the only squad depth we have is in center of defense. And I was looking at their squad and I'm like, are you nuts? Like, Klopp said it. And if you look at Liverpool's squad, like, beyond those front three, who's coming in? Origi, uh, what's his name? Power Cube. And <laughs> Amino, who's been there for three minutes. Like, what are people complaining about? Uh, I mean, I, I guess they're, they're being, you know, elitist and saying Higuain is not good. <laughs> like, it must be the only thing that they're doing. Uh, but Klopp has been doing this thing where he's been talking a lot about um, the other teams in Europe. Uh, he said um, PSG are the favorites for the Champions League, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so the pressure is on them, not us, which is interesting. <laughs> And then he said, like, it's going to be something about it's going to be brutal playing against Atletico Madrid. So I feel like he's trying to put pressure on, on other clubs with what he's saying. I'm not entirely sure he means any of it, though. Oh, yeah, also, why? It seems weird. I mean, Liverpool are actually in such a good position that they can rest players ahead of Champions League games. Yeah. Like, it, if they win the league in the next few weeks, which they could, uh, yeah, they can just start resting people on the weekend and then playing their full-strength team on Wednesdays. <coughs> I mean, that's what they did in the freaking Carabao, so. Bizarre. All right, that will do it for the Premier League this week. Um, oh, wait, Burn, Leicester, Burn. Leicester and Wolves drew nil-nil in a game that no one cared about on oh, Friday, yeah. um, which is just... <sighs> I mean, Leicester, the only thing I want to say about this is Leicester are just trying to get over the line at this point. I think they've used all their credits, their good football <laughs> credits, in 2019. <laughs> that may well be true, although they're still, like, so much better than everyone else. Yeah, yeah, it's a shit show behind them. <laughs> it really is. Like, the, the, what stands out for me most is the goal difference. Like, Liverpool's is 46, City's is 36, Liverpool's 28, and then the next highest is... Spurs and Man United with nine. Yeah. That's pathetic. It's bad. Anyway. Uh, and Burnley beat Southampton. Um, uh, before we wrap up the Premier League, I mm. think Man City didn't play, but Man City had the biggest story of the week. Go on. Man City are facing a potential two-year ban from the Champions League because of financial fair play, dodging, cheating, corruption, bribery, <laughs> fraud. <laughs> Scandal. Everything and <laughs> I am I am in I'm with UEFA on this. Uh, I'm with UEFA on this. Shocking. Uh, also, <laughs> <laughs> also, Arsene has been been working at. Oh no, it's it's UEFA. He works at FIFA. Um, but but I saw him. Out. I saw him come out and say, yeah, that, you know, if you, if you break the rules, then you must be punished. Um, uh, yeah, I was just thinking, coincidence. He's been in a job a couple of months, and the the financial d- doping, as he would put it, has uh, has been punished. I, I, I love, I knew because they, they needed a Wenger quote. If It wouldn't be a full story without a Wenger quote. But I, I will say that, you know, there are some horrendous takes that are coming out of this. Oh, and, I know the one you mean as well. Go and on. I don't even understand. I'm trying to find it right now because 
it's 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 horrendous. Like, where is it? Where is it? Oh my god! It was Ollie Holtz who claims to be a journalist, but he's really just a piece of trash. <laughs> I, yeah. I can summarize it. It was basically this isn't good news because this what this is is the footballing elite keeping out challengers. Like City are a challenger to the footballing elite, and this is the old guard saying, "No, we don't want you there." Like what? And then I saw another guy who I don't know, but he looked a bit like. I don't know, look like a caveman anyway, but he was on TV and he said, you know, you can be on the wrong side of the rules, but on the right side of the issue. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is going on? Is he and, talking about those VAR offside calls? Cause like... <laughs> he, he must be. And then, honestly, I haven't seen the video, but I've seen tweets about things that Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher said, mm. which essentially were saying that Financial fair play stands against. I think the quote that I read was financial, sta- financial fair play stands against everything this country represents. I guess that's capitalism. I don't understand. The reason that he's an owner and they own, he owns Salford and they've spent a lot of money to get where they are. Uh... But, but the problem with that statement is, and Roy Keane, who usually I never expect to be the voice of reason, but he mm-hmm. was in this situation apparently. The, so Twitter said, Roy Keane said, but all the clubs agreed to this. Yeah. All the Premier League clubs signed this, this understanding that they would cooperate with this. And they broke the rule that they signed for. So what are we even talking about represents Great Britain? The hell? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 really, that really is a bizarre take. Uh, also, like, not the time to be talking about what Great Britain represents, I will say. Um, but what, what's bizarre is that like ffp does not stop the richer clubs being richer we clearly like that that's not even in question it doesn't it doesn't level the playing field it just it just the intention is to try and make sure that every club's finances are sustainable and maybe all these clubs agreed to it thinking well these organizations are pretty toothless if we break the rules nothing much is going to happen anyway. And to be fair, until this point, that's been pretty much true. I mean, unless something happens to PSG, this will be a bit weird and hypocritical because we've known for years that PSG and Manchester City are breaking FFP rules. Well, like, I think in, in relation huge. to PSG, PSG fully cooperated, uh, allegedly, right? Like the, with, with UEFA. Now, um, is it Khaldun is on the panel or something like that? So <laughs> yeah. it's shady. But remember, Man City and UEFA reached an agreement, and then the leaks came out. And by the way, that's enough for me, those leaks, because one of those emails, I'll never forget, um, Infantino, is working with um, Sheikh Mansour to try and sort this out, even though he's clearly aware that they're in breach. This mm-hmm. is a fact in those mm-hmm. emails. And also, one of the um, investigators died. And there's an email where I think it's Cook says, one down, five to go. So clearly, these guys had malicious intent here, and they were not acting in good faith at all. That's enough for me. You can't tell me you're on the right side of the issues when you're celebrating the death of an investigator. Like, yep. what, what kind of bullshit is that? Yep. Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remain skeptical as to whether this two-year ban will, uh, you know, stay in place. I tend to think it's a bit of a starting point. Like, it's a negotiating point 
will start there. It'll end up being one or it'll end up being a fine or something. I hope it stays because at some point you have to do something about this. Um, not that I particularly have anything against City more than I do any of the other clubs breaking these rules. Um, but you have to start somewhere. And if this is where it begins, then fine. And let's make the obvious joke. It's not going to matter anyway because they can't win the bloody <laughs> They're useless in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It, if I think they'll go from two years to one. I don't think the ban goes away totally. Um, there isn't, I mean, if you, if you can read <laughs> emails, then the court of arbitration for sport cannot take this ban away in its entirety unless something I'm missing. So this should open up fifth spot for Sheffield United <laughs> to get into the Champions League or either of Spurs or Man United to get their act together, but we'll see. Honestly, wouldn't it be absolutely incredible if City's cheating got Sheffield United into the Champions League? I mean, that would just be the best. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Who wouldn't? John Egan, Champions League. Unbelievable season. Lundstrom, UEFA UEFA (laughs) Champions League fantasy legend. Oh, my Lord. All the European uh, fantasy players finally get to understand the joys of Lundstrom. Oh, man. That really would be quality. Anyway, let's just quickly get to uh, the rest of Europe. Let's go to Spain, because there's a big story I want to talk about. Speaking of corruption and, and total bullshit, um, let's go with, <laughs> let's introduce us um, with, so there's been this story rumbling on for the last week or two uh, after it was Mandambele got injured long-term again. Again, I emphasize that to say that it was a predictable injury. Um, and Barcelona, there's this weird rule in La Liga where if a long-term injury happens and you're outside the transfer window, they can make an exception and allow teams to sign an emergency player. Ridiculous rule, um, but I think we've discussed that before. Barcelona appear to be uh, triggering the 20 million release clause of Leganes striker Martin Braithwaite, and let me get back to his name in a minute, um, (laughs) as an emergency signing, but Leganes because they're not in that situation where they've lost an injured player, can't replace him, and they're battling relegation. It's an absolute travesty that this is allowed to happen. At minimum, they should allow these guys to replace Braithwaite. At minimum, it's, it, it's, it's like when people talk about bridging the gap between the big, big and the small teams, it's not just French fair play. It's stuff like this. It, it's Barcelona can go and pick off someone for 20 million. It doesn't mean anything, but the guys don't have the money to go do anything about it anyway. Even if they could sign someone, they couldn't sign anyone of probably the class of Braithwaite for them. It's, it's honestly so horrendous and I hate it so much. It really is. And, and, and just to put it in context in terms of their relegation battle, uh, they're 19th out of 20th. Espanyol below them and Leganes are on 19 points. Mallorca and Vigo above them are on 21. Ibar above them on 24. This is a very tight race. Uh, Martin Braithwaite, who I literally never heard of before this, um, has scored six goals in La Liga this season in 19 appearances, which isn't much, but when you're battling relegation, like he's probably the top scorer. <laughs> like, I'm just guessing. Or he's going to be close, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can't you can't do this to a team and and if if you're going to allow them to do it at least like take away the minimum fee release clause let them pay like market value or well maybe it is market for a guy with six goals but like <laughs> let Leganes negotiate because if you're going to ruin their season at least let them get double you know 
it's it, if you, I mean, there's a contract in place, I guess, so you can't do that. But I, at least let Leganes like pick up somebody. If like someone from China, like you know, I don't know, like <laughs> any, like anything. I'm just so sad for Leganes. I'm so sad for them. It's, I don't know why. <laughs> I, like yeah. you know that Bakumba guy or whatever his name was, like who oh, went yes. to Barcelona. Let them bring him in for goodness sake. Like <laughs> I, I don't know, guys. This is so bad. It is bizarre. What's more bizarre is uh, is Martin Braithwaite. <laughs> Sorry, I just I can't get over this guy. For a start, I was like, how do Leganes have an English player? And then I looked him up, and he's Danish. Uh, so his name is Martin Christensen Braithwaite, um, and his career has been bizarre. He started at Ebsburg, which I assume is in Denmark, and then went to Toulouse, um, and then Middlesbrough, where he went on loan to Bordeaux, and then loan to Leganes, and they signed him permanently last summer. Um, like, how is he even on the Barcelona radar beyond the six goals he scored in La Liga this season? The thing is, I don't understand the point. If they sign this guy, once Suarez is fit, or once summer comes by, and they can actually sign someone that they really want, he will never play again. No. So, like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And you know what? I get this thing of, oh, you know, Martin Berthier, he will never get a better chance, so go do it. Fine, whatever. But, mate, your career is ending the day you sign for Barcelona. Oh, it's done. As much as it's gonna, you're going to get on the pitch in a new camp and you can tell your grandkids you did it, your career is over once summer hits. So, I don't, I don't know what it can't is. They, like, can they not sign him on loan? Why don't they pay an exorbitant loan fee and at least then he can go back to his actual club afterwards and, and continue his weird career? Or give Leganes like a 10 million buyback or something. Like, something, right? Oh God. It, it's bizarre. Um, but... Uh, to, to the point about how he's never going to play. Barcelona beat uh, Hetafe, I think it was, uh, 2-1 um, on the weekend. And their front three is Ansu Fati, Antoine Griezmann, and Leo Messi. Like, this is not a team that is hard done by. No, it's not. And I'm trying to find out who was on the bench. Uh, well, while you look that up, I will, I will who take... Who is Ray Menage? Uh, Nicky's brother. <laughs> Ray Menage is a 22-year-old Albanian. They don't need... I mean, look, if you can find a 22-year-old, right? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, that's not a youth team player age anymore. That's a 22-year-old person who's not even from, from Spain. Like, Are you sure you haven't just made him up? No, I'm... I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at him right now. Okay. Um, Ray, Ray Menage. Wow. <laughs> I hope he's number three. Oh, mate, that would be terrible. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't get that, sod off. Um, sorry, just while we're talking about funny people, you know who scored Getafe's goal against Barcelona? Who? Alan Nyom. Nyom. <laughs> unbelievable scenes. We haven't done that in a while. He's popped up with a goal. I I'm sorry, can I read Ray Menard's stats? Because this guy's been around. I want to know everything. <laughs> So he was at Cremonense, wherever that is. Uh, 22 appearances, two goals. He was at Inter Milan. Wow. Four appearances, <laughs> zero goals from 2015-2018. He was on loan at Pescara. 12 goals. Uh, sorry, 12 appearances, two goals. He was at Pisa, <laughs> leaning tower, I guess. Yeah. 17 appearances, two goals. This guy is trash. Granada. Sorry, how, do you, huh? how do you spell his name? 
M-A-N-A-J. Oh, so I tried to Google him and I got all sorts of stuff. Oh, no, no, no. You don't want to see that. No. Uh, So this season, he was at Albacete in the, the Segunda and scored nine goals in 37 appearances. May huh. he does not like look. This oh, is he has bad. eleven national team caps. You should not be able to sign Martin Braithwaite if you have a Ray Menage. Like, yeah, <laughs> if you've sorry. got Albania's best striker, then what are you doing? You know exactly. No, this is a farce. Uh, there's a YouTube video called Ray Menage, the perfect striker. Welcome to Barcelona 2020. <laughs> it's, only, it's only two and a half minutes long. <laughs> oh, this man. is brilliant stuff. Uh, anyway. anyway. Real Madrid drew 2-2. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's La Liga gone. Oh, well. Title race is back on. Mm-hmm. 153 points. Barcelona 52. Uh, Getafe 42. Atleti 40. Sevilla 40. Uh, Atleti are falling apart at the seams. Saul did an interesting interview um, with Sid Lowe uh, the other day because they're playing Liverpool in the Champions League this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about how it's been difficult this season because there's a lot of new players and blah, blah, blah. And he interestingly mentioned, because I don't see Atleti other than in the Champions League, really. So I didn't really know what role he was taking on. But I had noticed that, you know, there was a period a couple of years ago where you'd see like a, a Saul thunderbastard every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of dropped off. And he was saying, basically, he's taken over the Gabby role where he's the kind of sitting midfielder and he covers for everyone else. And he was saying that he's not, He's basically saying, this is the role that I have to do and Simeone trusts me and blah, blah, blah. But I don't get as much enjoyment out of playing this role, um, which is quite interesting. And when I read that part of the story, I was like, please, can someone come in and, and, and save this man in the summer and bring back the, the wonderful kind of playmaker that, that we saw of a couple of years ago? But then he goes on to talk about how much he's like, invested in the Simeone style. He's like, Atleti can't change because that's what makes us competitive. You have to not even think. You just have to run. You just have to do. And so he seems really committed to this. You know what? Saul uh, really loves Atleti. And we know that. But I think that he's hamstrung by the fact that his release clause is basically $130 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, there's no... I, I, that doesn't sound to me like someone who really wants to stay. Uh, if if he had options, um, but you know, 130 million, and he still has a very complicated in like uh, ownership situation. Does he? So, yeah, I think it's I think it's a mix of uh, what's that? I think he's still like with the remnants of um, what's the name of that group that Pierre Kenyon and um, and uh, Jorge and Jorge. Uh, I forget the name, but I know who you mean. Yeah, it's it's a very very weird thing where if so if. Atleti get a bid over a certain amount of money. Uh, they can't like what's their names can veto it, right? It's something something weird like that, which is why it's it's quite high. Um, let me see if I can find the information here. While that's you... a, that's that's annoying. I I would like to see him. I mean, unless Atleti are going to return to being good, then fine, leave him where he is. But if not, and it it does look like they're in a downward spiral. Um, I would like to see him move somewhere else and, and gain the freedom back that he used to have. Because um, he's such a wonderful player. Mm-hmm. The, other, the, the other kind of thing that might 
allow him to move or cause him to move is if Simeone finally either resigns or gets fired. I don't think he'll get fired, but I think he might resign if it gets worse. Yep, I, I, I think that's possible. Anyway, um, that'll do for La Liga. I know it's brief, but let's move. We don't have too much time. So let's move on to Serie A. Big weekend. Big weekend. Juventus. Uh, what did Juventus do? They, oh, they won 2-0. They nil. beat somebody 2-0 with Ronaldo chilling. Yeah, it was, a, it was a Dybala weekend. 2-0 against uh, Brescia. Dybala with a, a beautiful free kick. You were just saying last week, like, Dybala needs to play and they'll win games. And there you go. You were right. I'm I'm right a lot, man. I'm right a lot. Mm, mm, okay, <laughs> all right, Soldado. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the big game was Lazio against Inter. Uh, what was second against third, and what ended up being uh, a, a reversal of positions there, because Lazio beat Inter two one after Ashley Young put Inter Milan ahead. You know, I'm just gonna. I'm, I I hope I can find Roche's, uh sort of analysis here uh let me see if i can find it 352 messages about ashley young oh my, oh my god. god that's hilarious uh so roche said there's a reason ashley young has found a way to be relevant and before people say any praise we should analyze the conditions <laughs> oh god <laughs> Upon analysis, we can conclude he would never have scored such a goal in England without being hacked down at least three times. Also, when the rebound came off the keeper's glove, the Lazio players were all ball-watching. Burnley or Watford or Southampton or any other relegation zone team in England would have done a better job of getting some hard bastard to hack the ball away properly. <laughs> all I can say is Roche really hates Ashley Young, so he won't give him any credit whatsoever. I thought and, it was a good finish, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate it when people hit it into the ground. Like, it annoys me so much. I don't think they do it on purpose. But you know what? Ashley Young was so far up the pitch, he was like, what? <laughs> so credit to him for getting that far up the pitch anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Probably took him half an hour to get back. Um, it's actually harsh. Like, since he's come in, he's been a really, really important player for Inter Milan, which I don't know what, if that says more about them or him, but it's an odd thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, Lazio are now one point behind Juve. It's been Juve and Inter um, all season as the you know title contenders, and Lazio have been there in third place, keeping up with them incredibly well. But you now have to say that Lazio are in contention for the title. I mean, their goal difference. I know you know it doesn't mean everything, but their goal difference is thirty-four. Juve is twenty-three. Inter's is twenty-seven. They score a lot of goals. Um, and their confidence must be soaring at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, Lazio, no one gave them a chance. Even It's a bit like that Leicester thing. No one gave them a chance at any point, and they're proving people wrong. Um, I don't want them to have a chance because of what their fans represent. But, Racism. you know, yep. I have no problem with the players on the pitch, mm-hmm. uh, especially Immobile, who is having an absolute season and a half. It, what is it, it, 26 goals now? Yeah, it's 26 goals. He might end up with whatever the European golden boot thing is. Like, you know, it's 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 on it's unbelievable what they're pulling what they're pulling off. Um, so, you know, it, it, I'm happy because Inter going to third helps me out because we have our little bet with Tarek thing. Although I said Napoli would do better than they're doing, but you know, sometimes a good, sometimes a shit. Bernie. Uh, <laughs> Better than they're doing is a massive understatement. <laughs> they're ninth. <laughs> they are ninth. 
But you know what? I'm not going to complain because fire sale. I like fire sale. So we'll yeah, it. right, right, right. Okay. Cool. Um, you mentioned there uh, what Lazio stand, uh, fans stand for. Um, so let's finish uh, the European segment off with what happened in Portugal. Um, and we don't usually go there, but there was an incident in the uh, Vitoria Guimaraes game against Porto. Porto won 2 1. Uh, Marega scoring the winning goal, but then leaving the pitch after being, uh, or after having racist abuse hurled at him. And I'm sure everyone's seen the video at this point. It's actually really difficult to watch. His basically whole team and a manager tried to get him to stop doing it. You know, it, it, to me, this was a complete disgrace and also shows a complete lack of understanding of what racism is. Mm-hmm. You know, in order, for, in order for racism to be eradicated from the game of football, we need allies. Um, people need, like, it, we can't, as black people can't do it on our own, clearly, because it's, it's, the, it's the non-black people who are being racist towards them, right? And you need allies who understand the situation, and they need education in Portugal, um, and his teammates need some education, and maybe they're going to get it now, because Marega himself is not backing down. Nope. You know, he really went after the fans after the game. He didn't back down at all. And that suggests to me that he's not going to back down with his own teammates as well, um, which I think can only bring positive change. I'm happy he walked off the pitch. I think that I'm in favor of it. I'm also in favor of staying on. I'm in favor of players doing whatever they need to do. But I am in favor of walking off the pitch because I think it does send a message that you will not be here and entertain this crowd of peasants who are insulting you. And I think that's important. Yeah, agreed. And, and I agree that there's not a right answer in terms of walking off, staying on, like however you want to respond, I think, you know, is absolutely fine. Um, but I, it's just, it's so disappointing to watch his teammates not get it. it yeah. Like that is so disappointing. And, and you'd think that, I mean, you know, maybe footballers don't talk about this stuff. Maybe they just don't. But you'd think given the amount of, of incidents across Europe this season that it would come up in discussion you know even if it's between the manager and the captain this kind of thing happens what's what's our plan what do we do and uh, yeah it was just really difficult and and you know Conceição came out after the game and the league came out after the game and they all said all the right things but their attitude in the moment was was indicative of the lack of understanding that you mentioned yeah and 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 what we hope is that they take it as a learning moment mm-hmm. um and that the right things that they are saying are, are are real and they don't pull in italy and do a anti-racism campaign with a bunch of like chimps in 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 the media material uh, <laughs> you know they we, we've got to hope that they that they learn from the italian mess. <laughs> <laughs> asking anyone to learn from the Italians about how to handle racism is quite a big ask. But, Probably. But, you know, anyway. Um, big week uh, in the Champions League coming up. Let's just rattle through the fixtures very quickly. Although, actually, did you do that last week? We did do that last week. Okay, well, then we'll leave it alone. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that will do then for the Koshcast for this week. And we'll check in again in a week's time. After all the wonderful Champions League exploits, more uh, more Premier League action. I think we've got Chelsea and Spurs in the battle for the shittest fourth place team. <laughs> um, and I'm sure there are 
some other fixtures too that I don't know. We we should uh, we should also say that we have we have uh, started promoting our next trivia night. So oh, yes, uh, sign up, sign up, sign up. We hope to see you guys there. Opera Bob's, I believe it's March eleventh. That's right. Uh, the registration link is our pinned tweet currently. So please go check it out at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. Absolutely. See you next week. Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh, and for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.